All right. Hey, everyone. Hello. Wow. Let's, let's try that again. Hello, everyone. Whoa. I think I just broke the leg on this stand. Uh, yeah, it's going to fall. Um, oh, boy. Um, take two. We may need a second stand, so I'm just going to hold this for a second until someone gets another stand. Can one of the leaders... Never mind. All right. Another stand. Anyways. All right. So we have four new people. Well, let me rephrase that. Three new people and one person who hasn't been here for a couple months, and so we're excited to see them. I just want to mention their names. Uh, Annabelle. Where's Annabelle? Annabelle's here. Here, Welcome, Annabelle, guys. Uh, Avi. Am I saying that correct? Avi. Avi. Avi is here. Avi Nice is here. Welcome. We have David slash Robert, but he prefers David, so David is here. And Cade, Cade, Cademan? Cademan. Cademan. All right, so Cademan, he's never been to youth on Wednesdays, but he was here to the boys' last boys' video game night. For some of the guys that were there, you may recognize him and remember him. So we are glad that these guys are here this evening. Also, just wanted to let you guys know, uh, I was in contact with Lee Rogers, who's uh, head of director with Pendel Youth throughout the district in that. Um, remember when we did that Speed the Light donation for those who were here last year? Remember doing that and that? Um, so I have a total number that you guys, out of your generosity, gave towards Speed the Light last year, and it was... $6,432.18 that you guys gave towards Speed the Life. So, great job to you. And for those, for those who may not know what Speed the Light is, it is a nonprofit organization that helps fund, uh, for missionaries that are in this country and around the world, uh, for things like, uh, automobiles, uh, te- different technologies and things like that to ha- equip them to spread the gospel message wherever they are at. So, Great job to you guys and your generosity. I'm really proud of you guys with that. Um, so, let me ask you guys a quick question. If we can pull up the first slide. What is this? Who says it's a caution sign? Who says it's a warning sign? Yeah, okay. I guess you're right. So, <laughs> all right. They say warning sign, so we're just gonna, we're gonna, let's say we just go with, uh, warning sign. Okay, so why are these caution signs or warning signs usually up? Kayla. Uh, to like aware of something. Right, to aware them of something. Uh, what, what are some things that these caution signs or awareness signs come up? Warning signs. Uh, Dante. Yeah, you, you take this step and you're gonna fall off a cliff. That's a good one. Okay, anyone else? Travis, I saw your hand come up, and then I'll come to the next year. Yes, my, my paper that says warning, warning, okay. Uh, right over here, David. Right, ice on the rev, slippery, Matthias. Yes, okay, Travis. All right, not Travis, Kevin. <laughs> sorry, like that, Travis, and that, sorry. Right, okay. Last one. Right. Caitlin, I saw your hand up for. Okay, anyone else? No one? 
Okay, so yes, all these warning signs, caution signs are to caution us for things like if a floor is wet and you can fall, or if it's a hot surface. Who's ever touched a hot surface even that says, don't touch the hot surface? Yeah. (laughs) All right. All right. Have a, lighten up the mood a little bit because we're going to talk about some things that aren't so, well, later on we'll talk about lighting things. Anyways, okay. So last week, we started chapter 13 in Mark, and Tim started leading us through the first 13 verses, and I really appreciate him leading us through it because those first 13 verses were difficult. So thank you, Tim, for for leading us through the first 13 verses here last week. Now, Now, I know for some of you, in conversations that I've had with my small group, uh, those in my small group and those outside of it, uh, how many of you said last week was a little heavy and you're like, oof, this is, this is hard to hear this truth, right? Okay. <laughs> now, I also know that some of you as well said while this was heavy and stuff that was hard to swallow at times, you said we needed to hear it, right? There were definitely some of us who were like, we need to hear this truth. And I am grateful that you guys were actually, I'm encouraged by that to hear you guys say we, we need to know and understand this truth. And that's why we do what we do when it comes to preaching God's Word, going through chapter by chapter, verse by verse, because we don't want to deceive you. As Tim said last week, that has been sticking with me ever since he said it, is that while there are many of you in this room, we want you many to be the few that stand strong and follow Christ and stand for His truth and everything. And so as we go into today's lesson, as we look at verses 14 to 27, there's nothing else that you get from tonight. Here's the main thing I want you to know for tonight. That Jesus Christ is providing the warnings that we're going to read and that we've already read so we can recognize the truth from the lie. Jesus Christ is is providing these warnings so we recognize the truth from the lie. Today we're going to go into God's Word. We're going to look at verses 14 through 27 in Mark chapter 13. So if you have your Bible or your... Ah, yes. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. My foot was starting to fall asleep. I was like, ah... Let's see. All right. All right, there we go. I think my Bible was too heavy for it, and it just was going to make it collapse. Yes. Overwhelming. Yes. All right. Are you guys there who have your Bibles? Bible app, Mark chapter 13, verses 14 to 27. You ready? Mark chapter 13, starting at verse 14. Two seconds. One, Mississippi, two. All right, ready? Here we go. I gave you two. <laughs> All right, you guys, okay. The abomination of desolation. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down, not enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infant in those days. 
Pray that it may not happen in winter, for in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now, and never will be. And if the Lord has had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. For the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look here is the Christ, or look there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for tonight, Lord. I thank you for all the students that are here and the leaders that are here tonight as well, Lord God. Father, as we have heard your word Today, Lord God, I pray that we have hearts to receive what we have just read and ears that are open to to hearing what is going to be taught today, Lord God. Holy Spirit, I pray for your strength to to teach this, Lord, and I pray that they uh, recognize this isn't of my own will, that this isn't just something that uh, um, is about me, but this is about you, Jesus. Father, I pray right now in confessing that I have mixed emotions where where, uh, I feel tough and nervous about preaching some of this, but I'm also excited in knowing that we have an eternal hope that is in you, Lord Jesus. And so, Father, I pray against the nerves. I pray against the anxieties, Lord God, and I just pray that you can uh, use the joy of the Lord, Lord God, to, to just show us how grateful and thankful we should be to know that we have a Savior. And that Savior is in Jesus Christ. And I pray this in His holy name. Amen. Alright, so, there are three questions that we're going to try to answer here tonight. Try We're going to answer tonight that came to my mind, and maybe that have come to your mind when we've read these texts. And here are the three questions. First one is, who is the abomination of desolation? Did this event already occur? And why did Jesus tell the disciples and us today who are reading these things that are to take place? Again, so the questions are, who is the abomination of desolation? Did this event already occur? And why did Jesus tell the disciples and us today these things? So let's start first with the first question, who is the abomination of desolation? And the reason why I have it termed like this in this question of who, is because in verse 14 it says, but when you see the abomination of desolation standing, when he ought not to be. Circle, highlight, underline the word he. So that means there's a person, there's someone involved with this. And so who is this person? And this person goes by many names. Some call him the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, and even the son of destruction. And second Second Thessalonians chapter two. Second Thessalonians chapter two. Second Thessalonians chapter two, one through five. I'm going to read what they have to say about this abomination of desolation. 
Now concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let me pause there for a minute. Look up here for a second. The reason the Apostle Paul addresses like that is because the church in Thessalonica... I'm not even going to try. (laughs) Thessalonica... Yes. Um, they thought that the day of the Lord had already come. That meaning that the day of the Lord has come, he's already came, he's taken his bride, and off we go. There was this rumor going on, and Paul is squashing that rumor saying, no, this did not happen, do not be deceived. And that's what he goes on to say in the next verses. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Now, what, what do you think this man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, the son of destruction, Based off what we've just read in Mark and here in Thessalonians, what has he done that is this big abomination or even disgusting in the sight of the Lord and should be disgusting in our sight as followers of Christ? Hannah. He sets himself into the temple that's for God and he calls himself God. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So he is proclaiming himself to be God when he is not God. And I like what you said that he, he's putting himself on a throne. And I, I want to just mention something about this, this throne. There are a couple, uh, when you read co- different commentaries or if you study more into this, which we as leaders encourage you to do, there's many debate on what this throne is. Now, is the throne a actual physical throne? Is it a spiritual throne, meaning that he's trying to sit on the throne of our hearts? Or is it a combination of both? And we're going to tackle that question a little bit here um, uh, shortly, actually, right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, right now. Here we go. Uh, so, the literal throne, Here, and here's the thing. The literal throne... Remember, what did Tim talk about last week with the, the, with the temple? Back in A.D. 70. What happened? The temple in A.D. 70. What did, what did Jesus predict that Tim talked about last week? No, 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 no. Not chapter 70. Dante. Exactly. And in A.D. 70, that took place. Now, we're going to talk about this in our second section of that the temple will be rebuilt. And that's what this belief is, that when the temple is rebuilt, that the Son of Man, this lawless one, is going to come in and sit on a physical throne. Now, there are some that say, no, it's not an actual physical throne, it's just a spiritual throne, and that spiritual throne is our hearts. And saying that he's going to deceive us with many signs and wonders that we read here and say that, He is God when he's not, and that he is Christ when he is not. And there are people who are torn back and forth. There's actually been divisions in churches because of this. Um, Based off what I read in Scripture, I believe it's not an either-or situation. It's a both-and situation. And what I mean is that both of these things can happen. And here's why. For a man to, for this man, this lawless one, to be on the throne of God that he should not be on, 
He needs to deceive many people's hearts to believe this, right? Right? You have to fall into believing that, oh, he actually does need to be on this literal throne. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 through 10 says this, The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are for who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. And so, the second question that we need to answer, the first one is, who is the abomination of desolation? The Antichrist. Son of destruction, the lawless one, who is being, uh, through this activity is happening through Satan. And the second question we need to ask ourselves is, did this event already occur? Did this, the abomination of desolation, already occur? And there are many commentaries, there are many people who are split on this this decision. People say that, yes, it already occurred when the temple was destroyed in A.D. 70. It's not happening again. There are many people who say, no, it's only talking about a future prophecy. That that one in A.D. 70 was, yeah, it was really bad, but it was not as bad as what is to come. Again, I don't think this is an either-or thing. I think it's a both-and thing. I think Jesus was talking about both the destruction and the temple in A.D. 70, and here's why, because verses that we read about last week, Jesus predicted the destruction of the temple, right? And then as we read here in latter verses, that he's talking about in verse 19, let me go back to Mark. In verse 19, Jesus said this, For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now, and never will be. Now, there's been a lot of bad things that have happened, right, in this world throughout history, if you read history, and unfortunately, there's been a lot of bad things that have happened here in America in 2020 and and now in 2021. But I don't think it's been so bad where from, from, from creation till now where we're like, that, that was the worst thing that's ever happened in modern history. And so, again, I don't think this is an either-or, but it's a both-and situation where Jesus is predicting both the destruction of the temple in AD 70 and a future prophecy to happen. Are you guys with me? Yes, sir. Makes sense so far. Okay. So, who is the abomination of desolation? Antichrist. Antichrist. Okay. And then who... Did these events already occur? Depends on who... Yes. Yes. Yes, and to come. Casey. Yes, the Antichrist, son of destruction, man of lawlessness, one, and he's uh, the activity by Satan. Second Thessalonians, chapter two, verses nine through ten. You guys can read about that and talk about that more in small group. And I don't know why I keep breaking stands today. Okay, <laughs> sorry guys. <laughs> It's coming out of the youth budget, all right? No, no, it's a new year. We, no. It's a new year. We have more than $65 in the youth budget. Yes, okay, okay, okay. All right. So, the abomination of desolation, the Antichrist, man of lawlessness, son of destruction. Did these events occur? Depends who you ask. In my personal belief, based off Scripture, Jesus is saying about the destruction of the temple in AD 70 and a future prophecy that's going to take place as well. Third question, and this, this ties it all together here. 
is why did Jesus tell the disciples and us who are in this room today, claiming you Christ followers, and even if you're not a Christ follower yet, you're hearing the word of God today. Why is Jesus telling us these things? And the number one thing is to be on guard. Jesus is telling us to be on guard. In Mark 13, verse 23, he literally says, But be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. And what is he telling us to be on guard about? What was that, Ryan? Huh? What did you say? Huh? What did you say? <laughs> Let's read the, follow, the verse before that. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. Look up here. See your sign for a sec. That verse should kind of scare us. That verse could, should, should be a wake-up call, especially for us as followers of Christ, to recognize... Ooh, Satan is going to do everything in his power to deceive not just those who fought, not who declare not to follow Christ, but those who do declare to follow Christ as well. This is one of the reasons, of many reasons, why Jesus is telling us, be on guard. Many are going to, and this is already happening in the world, that people are coming out and saying, I am Jesus Christ, I am the Messiah, this is my second coming. And I actually grieve for those people in knowing that they are following a false Messiah. We're going to talk about it a little bit, but Jesus already tells us how he is coming back and what that's going to look like. And it's point number two. Jesus is telling us these things to know the majesty of who he is. The majesty and the glory of who he is. Let's read again verses 24 to 27 when it says the coming of the Son of Man. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Next verse, really emphasizing this verse. Verse 26. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then He will send out the angels and gather His elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of Heaven. Do you notice the difference of what the false prophets do versus what Jesus does? Verse 22, the false prophets have to say in their, with their words and with their mouth, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Christ, I'm the Messiah. Jesus doesn't even have to speak that He's the Messiah. With His great power and His glory and awesomeness, people are going to see Him. People are going to see Him. I'm just going to get rid of these stands for tonight. All right. All right. Jesus doesn't even have to speak a word and say that He is the Messiah, that He is the Christ. With all of His power and all of His glory, we will know. If we are here, if we're the generation that actually sees Him come, we will know those who profess to follow Him as disciples and even those who don't profess Him as Lord and Savior. Yes, Ryan? So, uh, part of the sun is that, is that like the North Pole and the South Pole? No, he's meaning everywhere, across the, the earth, everywhere. Oh, okay. I thought he was like doing like, like... Ryan, don't make this more confusing than that. <laughs> you're fine. Good question. No, but no, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> 
You're fine. Dante, do you have a hand up? Go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. Is that on God's I'm sorry. I, I maybe I don't understand the. Okay, someone is. Okay, cool. Appreciate. It. And here, here's here's something I want you guys to recognize. Here for a sec. Look up here. In all of His Majesty, in all of His power, in all of His glory, everyone will know that He is the Messiah. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And as Tim talked about, and I just mentioned it earlier, there are going to be many who will not want anything to do with Him. And then when they actually see Him coming, uh-oh. And I, and I don't know, but I don't mean to make that like funny in a sense, but they should be trembling. We should be trembling if we don't believe in Christ. Even if you do believe in Christ, we will be trembling in fear and, and awesomeness and glorifying in Him and praising Him. But for those who don't know Him, that's judgment. Judgment time is coming. And that's the reality. That judgment time is coming. The con- I've said this from the very beginning in Mark. What you decide to choose on who Jesus Christ is doesn't just have consequences for your time on this earth, but for the rest of eternity. And it's very easy at your age, I was once at your age too, to think, I have all this time in the world, you know, I can't wait till I'm 16, I can finally get my permit, I can't wait till I'm 18 and, have, you know, feel like an adult, finally. But none of us in here know the time or the hour of when God is going to call us home. And so I really encourage you in here tonight, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you do make that decision. And listen, some of you right now, you've never have maybe read Mark, maybe you've never heard anything through the book of Mark, and you're, you're wrestling through things. You're like, ah, oh, is this really true? I don't know. Culture tells me one thing, uh, but God's Word is saying another thing. You know what? We just read that, th- are saying that, you know, we're wrestling with God, but we hope that God wins in that wrestling match, Right? That's all of our heart's desire, that God wins in that wrestling match with you in your heart of hearts and knowing that I'm surrendering my life to Him. Knowing who Jesus really is. And this leads me to my last point, that Jesus is telling us these things so that we can have eternal comfort. That we can have eternal comfort. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 through 17 say the following. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this He called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now many, now, now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and deed. Listen, from what we read last week and even some of the things that we're reading right now, it can be a little terrifying. Let's be honest here, friend, in this room, when we went through what we went last week, how many of you were a little like, this is terrifying? This is this is terrifying. I just thought I was understanding this, but I asked, never mind. <laughs> yes, right? 
But here, what the Apostle Paul is saying, and even what Jesus is saying with His coming, and that we can have this eternal comfort that while, yes, things may be bad, while the storms may be bad, as we worshipped and sang earlier, we can know that God is still in control. That God is still in control and that He wins. He wins. Read verse 8 in 2 Thessalonians. Paul writes, And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of His mouth and bring nothing by the appearance of His coming. By a spoken word, Jesus is going to kill Satan. Yeah, you should be excited. That should give you internal comfort. Like, I don't care what's going on right now. I know my eternal hope is in Christ. And in a spoken word when Jesus comes, that's it for Satan. Dante. We don't know. (laughs) Travis. Wait, wait, wait. Travis, what'd you say? Hopefully this doesn't sound like I'm going against what they're saying. But why hasn't Jesus already done that? Great question. One of the things that the Bible talks about is that it's God's will to see everyone get saved. And as followers of Christ, we need to have a desire for Him to come back, which those who believe in Christ, we do. Like, we see what's going on in the world. How many of you are like, Jesus, can you just come back now and restore all things? You're like, let's, let's hurry this up. <laughs> While part, listen, listen. While it is healthy to have those thoughts and that feeling and saying, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come. We, on the other hand, also need to know that we are responsible as disciples for Christ to spreading the gospel message. So if we're so always focused on Jesus, just come, Jesus, just come, Jesus, come, we'll forget the mission. And if Jesus hasn't come back yet, you know what that tells me? We still have a mission to do. He's calling us even in the darkest moments right now to be lights in this world because He wants to see your friends, He wants to see your family, those that you come in contact in this community who don't know Him as Lord and Savior. He wants you, He wants you, He wants you, you, you. Everyone in this room who decides to declare themselves as disciples for Christ, He wants you to be the light to share the good news of who He is. And so while, yes, we want to say, yes, come Lord Jesus, come, we also need to recognize we have a mission, and until He comes again, and we wait for that, let's keep our eyes on the prize of what we need to do. I hope that answers your question there a little bit. So, as we close and we get ready for worship here tonight, my hope and prayer, and the leader's hope and prayer is this for you, is that you do have this eternal comfort. As we read in John three sixteen to 21 of what Christ did for us, and sometimes, how many, let's, let's be honest, how many have grown up in church and you've heard the John 3.16 verse and you're kind of like, oh my gosh. And it can become very rhetorical. You're like, oh yeah, God so loved the world. He gave His only begotten Son. And we go on. But, 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 it, but if we take that religious mindset out of it and actually say, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, show me, you know, let me receive this in love and grace, you'll have that eternal comfort. 
You'll have that eternal hope of knowing what Christ has done on the cross for you. And we're closing out chapter 13 next week. You know what that means? We have two chapters left. You know what that means? We're almost done with 13. We're going on to 14. So you know what that means in these next couple chapters. We're about to see... We're about to see Jesus give up His life for us. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's very easy to say, yeah, Jesus died on the cross, and whatever, He died, rose again, and and it's very easy to say, oh yeah, He died for us. But I just want to let you know, as we get ready to see what happens to Him, it's brutal. It's brutal. Not just on a physical sense, but also on a spiritual sense as well. My hope and prayer and all of our hope and prayer for you guys in here tonight is that you understand that grace and that love that Christ has for you, that He'd be willing to die for you. For you to see. And maybe for some of you that's hard to, to, to grasp. You're like, how can someone die for me? I've done all these things. I've fought with my brother and sister. I've lied. I've cheated. I've stolen. I don't get along very well with my parents. How can He have died for me and them? Because He loves you. He loves you. So I hope and pray, whether it's through this message tonight or through small groups, if you haven't made that choice yet and having that eternal comfort in Jesus Christ, that tonight is the night that you surrender your life, saying, I will do whatever it takes to be a follower for Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight, Lord. God, I thank you for the the warning signs that uh, you have given us over these last couple of weeks of what to watch out for uh, during end times, Lord God. And Father, as I mentioned, it, at times it can be scary, these things can be heavy, and it can uh, cause anxiety and nerves and, and all these fearful things. But Father, I pray that we recognize here at the end of what, what we just read, that we have an eternal hope in you. That you, you don't even have to speak a word proclaiming that you're the Messiah. We will know that you are the Messiah when you come again, Lord God. And when you decide to speak, that spoken word will be there to kill Satan and his enemies. So, Father, I pray for anyone in here who may have an anxious heart, anxious mind, that they receive that eternal comfort right now in knowing uh, that you paid the price, Lord Jesus. Father, as we get ready for small groups and, and we go through more of the Scriptures, Lord God, I pray that we do have hearts that are open to receiving the truth, Lord God. Father, I just thank you for every person that is here. God, thank you and I praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.